part two in our series called Trapped Financially. And um, this has been uh, a passion of mine because of your life. I realize that for a lot of people, it is, the, it is all about the issues of finances they struggle with. Um, I want to invite you um, to notice a key word in our sermon today. It's called naive. And if I were to describe myself when it came to money over the years, I would say that's, that's an accurate word. There are times when I've been just plain out naive. I, I thought things that were wrong. And sometimes when you are a Christian, there are a long list of naive assumptions you make. And financial naivety is, um, boy, it's a plague, and it can trap you. So repeat the topic when you please say trapped by naive assumptions. What have you been naive about in your life financially? You can go back in your mind. If you can think through where you were just wrong. So let's just ask you. Let me see if you'll tell me. I was wrong about what? Getting credit cards. Naive. I was naive and wrong about somebody else. Raise your hand so I can commit your life. Yes. The importance of your credit score. I was naive and wrong about somebody else. Raise your hand. Tell me something. I'm trying to preach. I need your help. Way in the back. Say in the back. Borrowing money. Uh, let me give you a couple of minds. I was wrong about... I used to call it, uh, I have options. And I thought that credit, credit lines, all of those were great options, and they are in certain situations. I, I must admit that. I'm not against it. I got all the credit cards. They ain't got nothing on them, but I got all of them. But they have had something on them. They're lonely right now. But they used to be full of fun. Some of you said, mine's still not lonely at all. Mine got a lot of company. <laughs> I confused cash with credit. And I, I made, and I have a high tolerance for it, just for the record. I do. I have a high tolerance for it. I'm not dying, has no tolerance, but I have a high tolerance for it. Why? Because I, I'm, an, I'm, an, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a risk taker. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. More than some. That's how you get certain levels of opportunity, though. If you have a pastor who's scary, you're in trouble. You wouldn't be in this building. But if you had let me build that other building, you'd be praying for me and you. <laughs> Talk about naive, Lord Jesus. Who in the world wants to pay that kind of mortgage every 30 days? I'd be up here talking about the offering a lot longer and probably getting a lot less because you get tired of it after a while. Last week, we talked about being trapped by unnecessary obligations, things that you didn't have to obligate yourself to. And when you look back, you can see it. Next week, I'm going to talk about trapped by uncontrolled debt and how easily broken you are. In our book that we're looking at, The Psychology of Money, one of the books I'm reading, you know, I like a book all the time. So this is my read right now. And in this book, he talks about money, finances, investing. Some of it may go over your head a little bit if you're not an investor, but you know, I read over my head so I can go over my head. 
You heard me? Yeah, see. So I, I understand that one of the things he says is powerful. He says, you know, if you're not careful, there's a point where you can be broken. For some of you, it's $50. At 51, you broke. When you go to the cash register, when you, I, used to, I used to work at the grocery store, and people come to the line and say, oh, put that back, put back four grapes, put back four grapes. I mean, they, they just, <laughs> I used to hate it. They, and, and, and sometimes there's a bag boy standing there waiting. You know, you just hope they can pay for it. And when I, I, I've watched dozens and dozens of people over my career as a bag boy in my, in my high school days have to put groceries back. How embarrassing it was. Some would just say, my money's in the car and never come back because they're so ashamed. And when I got married to Diane, it used to run my nerves. Because back in those days, we got married back in 1980, and I, $50 in my pocket was a lot of money. And when I went to the grocery store, if I was going to spend $30, I wanted $50 because I didn't trust my math. But she did. She'd go through the grocery store with a little calculator, add up the taxes and everything down to the penny. I couldn't do that. I knew that was not my gift. I'd be embarrassed. But in that moment, I remember there's that line. Where is your line? Uncontrolled debt has put you in a place where you can't, you can't, you're not free. Then the last week, I'm going to talk to you about trapped by financial isolation, where you don't let anybody help you. You live in a land by yourself. You need help, but you're too prideful, too proud to ask for it. Isolation. I make better decisions here because I let people talk to me. We just, just, we're just working through some wonderful things that I'll tell you about down the road that we're working on. But I'm telling you, I have some great advisors. You can jump into these big deals if you want to and don't have good advisors that, that you listen to. Who do you listen to? You're praying for money, but God realizes that giving you money is a waste of time because you don't listen when you get it. You're, you're waiting right now for your tax return to come, and you've already spent it. You don't realize that's your money. You're overpaid. And, you are, and then you go to somebody and, and, and get, what's that? What they give you? Is a tax? What they give you? What's that? you know, some of you know what I'm talking about. I don't deal with them, but you know, cash advance on your tax return. Okay, so let me understand this. You overpaid the government by $1,000 of your money. They held it for a year and made interest on it. Now, you can go to somebody who you don't know, and they're going to charge you $100 to get part of your money that you overpaid to the government. You're just getting beat up on both sides of the bridge. See, what I'm saying is the reason you're doing that, this book talks about it, because you have no margin. You have no margin. And because you have no margin, you have to do things that I understand. I've done them. I, I get it. You, you have to borrow against your resources, borrow against your assets, because sometimes if you allow yourself, and in my case, gave away too much, see, and so you hurt your margins. Or you don't ask. You got people in your house, and you're not saying, hey, everybody's going to have to step up a little bit more. You're suffering by yourself in isolation. And I'll talk about that. But today, I want to talk about naive assumptions. There's a guy in 2 Kings chapter 4 who is a man of God. The story is one we're going to spend the rest of the month on because I am moved by this man's story. This is a godly, good man, perfect. Nothing is said about this guy that's bad in the Bible. He is about as good as you get. This is the kind of guy you want to be in your life, but he is naive. Now, that's important. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1, 
Here's what the story says. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elijah, your servant, my husband, is dead. Pause. Just think about that for a minute. And you know, you know that he revered the Lord. This is a godly man. But now, he's dead, but now, his creditor, somebody he owes money to, his Visa, his MasterCard, his American Express, his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Let's pause right there for a minute. You don't know anything about debtor's prison. You don't know anything about that because when you, right now, old people, you just tell them you can't pay it. But in these days, they came and got you. They came to pick you up and put you in the, in the debt paddy wagon and drive you off. And sometimes what they did, they didn't get you because you was too old. They got your children. Same as uh-oh. Your children in this culture would go to prison. They would take them up and say they will work off your parents' debt for the rest of their lives. That's what this mother was facing. Now, this is horrifying because she's a godly woman married to a godly man, but he's dead now. There's, there's something about this moment when you think about it, how profound this is. How did this godly man get into this place? I don't know the circumstances. I'm not trying to blame the brother. I'm just telling you this is real. And in this moment, what does it feel like? They came by and said, is Prophet Smith still with us? No, he's not. Well, Prophet Smith is uh, in debt to our organization for a certain amount of money. And uh, you have how many children? Two. That'll do fine. We're going to take these two, and uh, that, that will be payment, and we'll be back for them in a few days, and left. Now, she's standing there, the lost her husband. He was a godly man, but he was naive. Here's a question. Are you godly? Are you quickened, quickened and saved? You saw that? That's the spirit. That's the spirit. No, that's just me. But you are naive when it comes to your resources, when it comes to money. Is that you? And so here's what happened. When they came to him, Elijah offered her a solution to change her circumstances. Note he was loved, this guy was fruitful, he died, though unprepared, deeply spiritual, in debt, left his family and his children in a vulnerable place, in danger of becoming slaves. How many godly people have I seen come to the end of their life and their family has to take up an offering to bury them? I'm not mocking you. I'm just simply saying the world I live in. I'm just saying, understand me. You save, you love the Lord. But, you know, and I'm not, that's why, that's why these cremations are so common now, because it costs somewhere around $8,000, $10,000 to put you in the ground. 
and they go to everybody. I've had them come to me and my family, hit me up and everybody. I, I, you know, I tell you, I'm not going to say much. I love everybody. I do the best I can. But there's a, there's a challenge. There's a challenge that we face, and we're not being honest about it. Churches are not being honest about it. There's a moment in your life where you have to decide, I've got to do something about this issue. Let me say this. Let me pause the tape for a second. Let me say this to you. I'm not trying to get you to feel guilty. This ain't about guilt, because I believe that a lot of things that happen to us, we're trapped. See, let me, I want you to say this with me, please. Say, they, they are, smarter are smarter than we are. Than we are. They are. They know that commercial going to make you want to buy that. They know. They know. They know that you are insecure. They know. They know. They know you. They know. They study you. They have PhDs in you. They're clear. All this is designed to get you. The road I was on, I was naive. I thought I could just claim it and say it. That wasn't a good strategy. It was too expensive. And I, and I was naive. And, I, and I, I was trapped. And I think everybody can be trapped at every income level. Let me hear you. Hear me now. At every income level. Money did not change my circumstance. My approach did. If you don't believe me, look at these millionaires who, make, who run up or down the court, make millions of dollars and, die, and end up broke. How in the world that happened? Their approach, how they manage the millions. It's how you manage the millions, the thousands, the hundreds, the tens. It's how you manage what you have. And if you're not willing to, to allow someone to help you, if you're not willing to face it and say, this is my life, I need to take it into my hands and do something about it. Can I get an amen, somebody? I think you should clap your hand and say amen on that one. Come on, I mean, I'm right. Let me show you what he did to change the circumstance. And I believe you can change any circumstance if you're willing. Look at verse 2 of first Kings, 2 Kings chapter 4. Elijah replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me what you have in your house. Read that with me, please. Come on. Tell me what you have in your house. Start again. Say it again. Come on. Tell me what you have in your house. Look at me for a second. Hear me. If you're not careful, you're worrying about what somebody else has. We're not going to start with what I have, what your cousin has. What do you have in your house? Your income level, your issue. I tell people, Oprah Winfrey is right. My money can't solve your problems. I can help you for a minute, but you're going to have to deal with your issues. So he says, what do you have in your house? Now watch this. Your servant has, she calls it nothing. 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 All I have except is, is a jar of old olive oil. That's all I got. Now, I mean, you could have said I got a chair, a bed. You know, what do you mean nothing? She's being a little sarcastic, but she says, I don't have anything. And so watch what he says to her. Gather what you do have. Mm. Gather what you have. Elijah said to her, go and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. I'm not going to even go with you. Pour oil into all the jars, and so each will be filled. Put it to one side. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. If there ever was a crazy plan, this is a crazy plan. Now, the jar of oil had value because you could sell it, parts of it. That's the only cash she had. 
something that she could barter with and get, get cash for. She could pay some of her debts with that little jar of oil, but she didn't have enough. So, so he says, I want you to go and gather up a bunch of jars. I'm not going to surprise you here. I want you to go in your room by yourself. I'm not going with you. Just you and your boys, the ones who are at risk of being imprisoned, the ones who are in this mess with you. And I want you to get that jar of oil, and I want you to pour oil into all those empty vessels. Don't get a few. I told you, don't get a few. Because if you get a few, you're only going to get a few filled. But if you get a lot, he set her up now. Now, to me, you get everything you can think about getting. You get every jar you can. You take a trip and get jars. You borrow jars. So she went, she got jars, and the Bible says she filled them up. She left him, shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not another jar left. And that's when you say to yourself, I know I should have gone to the Smith's house. I know, I know Nicodemus has some more. Should, there's somebody that comes to your mind. But I want to tell you something. There's a lesson here. God's only going to use what you're willing to step out and reach for. Notice she only got blessed at the level of her faith. I can't tell you how many times in my life it's the level of my faith. It's me trying. Can you use that word? Say try. What did this woman do right? She went for help. I'm going to do a whole sermon on that. She didn't isolate herself. She wasn't too proud to say I'm broke. She wasn't too proud to say where she was. She wasn't too proud. And because she did this, watch what happens next, and I'm done. She went and told the man of God, and he gave her this incredible financial advice. Go sell the oil and pay your debts. I'm going to give you this opportunity to pay it all off. Here's what I prophesy to you. You make the right moves. If you're patient, you'll pay it off. Come on, say amen, you're him. You'll pay it off. But I want you to notice that's the trap. Because sometimes we're so naive, you pay it off, and guess what? You back in there again. You, you keep going back over and over again. Here's what I challenge you to do. Let this be the last time. Let this be the final time. Let this be the final lesson. Because here's a couple of things I want you to notice. You women need to get this. Sometimes you're naive. You love and blind. You're living with somebody. You don't know what things are like. Now, I can hear strife starting in homes right now. But the truth be told, he's dead now. And she is shocked that he owed this much. She's shocked that they're coming for her sons. What are you naive about? What don't you know? What are you not paying attention to? You see, I do a lot of funerals. Did one yesterday. <clears throat> and I watched them 
cry. I watched these good people hurt. But they didn't look worried. They didn't look scared. They didn't look like the creditors were coming. If you today don't change and hear this message, you're being naive. And I'm done for the day. Stand on your feet. Come on, give God a big praise. Come on, give God a big hand clap. I wish I could tell you I have not been naive. I wish I can tell you that I, I, I didn't go to, I went to a closing and I was so happy I didn't really pay attention to some of the details. I wish I could tell you, I wish I could tell you that I've never been in debt. I wish I could tell you that I never had cash challenges. I wish I could tell you that, but that wouldn't be true. I have made mistakes. I have made mistakes. There are debts that you have to have. You got to have a place to stay. You don't have the cash to pay for the house. I get it. You have to drive a car. You got to get to work. Student debt sometimes is the only way to get an education. I understand. For some, that's true. Medical debt, you're hurt. You got to get, you're going to be dead if you don't go to the doctor. So you better go get that. You got, I understand that. And I understand credit card debt. I understand that you can get in a moment. But I'm not talking about just those things. I'm talking about being honest with yourself and saying, listen, Father, the servant, the, the, those that borrow end up being servants to the lenders. And Lord, we don't want that to be our life forever. We want to be free. So we leave here without guilt. We leave here without shame. We leave here without apology. We leave here without feeling as if God is laughing at us or mocking us. He understands because they are smarter than us. Many of the traps we've fallen into, God, we were, they were designed to trap us. But now we see. But now we know. And so I'm going to live based on what I know. And there's therefore now no condemnation of those that are in Christ. I cannot spend my life dwelling on what I did wrong. I must celebrate what I know how to do now. And I must learn from this. Father, I speak over this church. I speak over our people. Freedom. We honor you today for showing us where we've been naive. We made assumptions. And that's what naivety is. You make an assumption about something that's not true. And so we give you all the praise and glory. And I believe, Lord, that you've called us to this moment of freedom and deliverance and blessing. If this helped you, raise your hand. Let me see. Did this help you today? It did. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Rick, I heard the word and I realize that my heart and my life needs to be changed. It's not just about money, Pastor Rick. It's about, I've been naive about a lot of things. My walk with God is one. I want to surrender my life to Jesus today and I want you to pray with me, Pastor, because I need God in my life. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, pray that prayer for me. We talked about money, but my walk with God is what I need to really focus on. That's where it all starts. If you want me to pray for your walk with God, because some of you know you need that to be reestablished or established for the first time in a real way, raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Who would say that's pray for me, Pastor? I see a hand. I see two. Do I see anybody else? Where do I see you? Let me see you. 
Thank you. Those, I see more hands. Thank you. I see more hands. I pray for them, Father, in Jesus' name. And for those who are online, I'm praying for you. This is that moment. Father, I pray for them that they would make that decision to surrender their lives to Jesus. And so we give you the praise. We, we pray, God, for grace and forgiveness. You died on the cross to free them. May this be the prayer that starts their walk with you. We honor you and we praise you for loving us, for sending Jesus to die on the cross for us, to give us a new beginning. We invite you into our lives, and we don't want to be naive about our spiritual walk, our finances, our health, anything. Help us to rise up and be honest. In Jesus' name, everyone say amen. Man, I like this. Did you enjoy today? I hope you did. I hope you enjoyed it.